Pints and Bites Podcast is the perfect wrestling podcast. Tights and Bites Podcast. Tights and Bites. Pro Wrestling, I gave you my heart. But the very next day, you gave it away. This year, to save me from tears, I'll wait to see what you do with your next special. Welcome to Tights and Fights, the show that discusses wrestling with the sincerity and hilarity that it deserves. I'm Taya Halkery, Hal Lublin, and I'm joined today by my fellow members of the Nation of Conversation, the Haradigm Shift, Danielle Radford. Love it. So good. And Kelker, I've got this. Lindsay Kelk. Oh, hello. Ho, ho, ho. I just want to clarify for listeners that that doesn't count as Whamageddon, right? If you're, if you're playing Whamageddon, that did not count. That, no. was, that was a cover. Yep. It's all good. I'm still winning, but I'm going to be in an airport soon, so. It's all over. It's all over. It's all you. over. Yeah. yeah. I say lean in and enjoy it. I, I don't get it. Oh, I start <laughs> counting. Once 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 uh, I have lost the game, I start counting it. Julian, you know what Whamageddon is, right? I do not. Sweet, uh, innocent it's, baby. It's every year you play a game with yourself and other people about how long it takes before you hear last Christmas. Oh, okay. I thought it was like, what a maneuver. <laughs> Pun on that or something. <laughs> I think it's a lovely song. I also love simply having a wonderful Christmas time. So maybe, I'm, maybe my brain is broken. There are very few... <laughs> Christmas songs I don't enjoy. Just don't look at the lyrics of Last Christmas and then you're fine. Because if you look at the lyrics in 2021, it's a little bit incelly. It's a little bit like we hooked up at last year's Christmas party and now you don't even remember who I am. What the fuck? And it's like, she was clearly drunk, George. Uh, she owes you nothing. But yeah. you know what? Like, if that's not the spirit of Christmas, I don't know what is. And also, so someone wrote this in a tweet, and I haven't bothered to check, nor will I bother to check. But they said that simply having is like, I guess a song about a cult that's like out there doing cult stuff. And then all of a sudden, like they're trying to cover it by saying that they're simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Yes, that is a fun joke. It is a it's fun a, joke. Yes. Because <laughs> like, yeah, I'm like, I'm not going to fact check that. I'm just going to let that be. Just going to let it slide. Yeah. Merry Christmas, yeah. everybody. Merry We're just going to let things slide. <laughs> Noted cultist Paul McCartney. <laughs> Was Wings a cult? That's the question we learned from The Simpsons. You got Paul McCartney out of wings. This is what we learned. <laughs> Deep cut Simpsons joke for about five people. Love it. Right I love it. <laughs> yeah. Lindsay, you're back from London. We have you back in our clutches. Yes. How was your trip? Did you meet several other members of the Nation of Conversation? I did. And abroad? it was glorious. The trip was best described as long. Uh, <laughs> the way a friend of mine once described Apocalypse Now, best described as long. Basically a two-night WrestleMania, but stretched over four weeks. So I was away forever, but it was really great. I saw a bunch of people. I wore a mask the whole time, and some of them did too. But everyone's <laughs> vaccinated, so that was nice. But I did meet some members of the Nation of Conversation. Shout out to those friends, new friends, new friends, old friends, uh, especially gentleman in Liverpool who put his hand up and asked if I would ever write a story about the Golden Lovers. And I then had to spend about seven minutes explaining the saga of the Golden Livers to Livers, Golden Livers, Golden Lovers to a very unreceptive crowd of um, romance readers in Liverpool on a Monday evening. I, I say unreceptive, they seem kind of into it by the end. I got some of them to Google the gentleman involved and then they were like way more into it. 
And also to my friend in Birmingham who always comes to the events uh, and this year uh, came adorned in a Ding Dong Hello t-shirt, which then meant I had to explain Ding Dong Hello to the crowd. But I was very into that too. So thanks, guys. It was so nice to see you. A little housekeeping before we get into it. We are bringing back our segment, My Special Wrestler, and we need you to be part of it. Record your voice memo, not an email, on your phone telling us about a wrestler you love and why they mean so much to you. And then send it to Julian via email at julian at maximumfun.org. Remember, record the voice memo, send the email. We want to hear your voice on our show. And don't you want that too? Lindsay, while you were away, did you watch any wrestling? Were you able to keep, did you sort of just keep tabs on what's going on? What What is it like when you're traveling and... I kept and, and... very vague tabs. Um, I was mm-hmm. in different places all the time, so it was hard to know where wrestling was on and know if I had a television that had access to said channels of wrestling. Right. But I obviously had the internet, so I caught bits and pieces on YouTube. And I have watched Survivor Series, because Survivor Series is one of my favorite, 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 favorite pay-per-views. And I missed it, and it made me sad. But I came home and watched it. So that was fun. Although the only thing I remember about it is the Becky and Charlotte match because i watched it jet lagged so yeah that's it that's basically all i've seen i i didn't see full gear which i do want to go back and check on some matches because i know important things happened of and i've heard nxt was really great this week which sadly even though i'm back i still didn't see because (laughs) jet lag but yeah i missed so much i do want to get into some of the stuff that happened this week but just touching on survivor series because it happened then we were off so we didn't really get a chance to talk about it. I felt like people were sort of like maybe middle of the road or up and down on the show. I thought it was really good. I loved the Roman Reigns Biggie match. It was mm. so good. Like you just let two big guys get in there and big slap meaty meat. men slapping me. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, it was joyful. Yeah, I, I obviously Bianca Belair is will always be a highlight of anything that she's doing. Um, so that was great. Uh, Charlotte Becky was great. Becky's promo at the end with like one of her eyelashes missing and like her eyes half closed which is like you know like we used to be such good friends and I think that that's why this hurts so much and like all that stuff while in the background you can hear Seth Rollins music going <laughs> I just wanted to maim her I wanted to hurt her and that's somebody who I used to be so close to and I talked to you before and I told you about how this had gone so sour and I just didn't I don't think it really hit me until tonight how sad that all is. <laughs> and just like a moment for Becky's gear. Oh, sorry. Ooh, Becky's no. gear oh. was like... Uh, I was I had it on while I was doing other stuff because I have so much to catch up on. And I literally stopped in the middle of the room when she walked out. I was like, is everybody seeing this? Does everyone mm-hmm. see what this woman looks like? It was insane. She looked incredible. Her character is like fully realized so locked in she's so locked in now that she's back yeah it's really really great let's talk a little bit about this week you mentioned nxt Lindsay. i want to shout out kaylee ray and dakota kai in their war games advantage ladder match Mm. man was it good just a really really good wrestling match yeah two really great women who can just fully go Mm -hmm. and were given the opportunity to do so 
It's almost like the olden days. It's almost like the olden <laughs> NXT. It's, yeah. it, it's nice that they're heating Dakota back up because mm-hmm. I do feel like she kind of, and I don't remember if she was injured. I can't keep track. It did feel like they were kind of cooling on her a little bit. So it's really nice that they are heating her back up because I love Dakota guy. I'd be totally down for her to take the belt off Mandy when, when the time comes. Dakota's oh, yeah. years overdue. Years mm-hmm. overdue. If they're going to turn her face again, they need to do something with her. So I think it would be fun to see her take on Mandy. I also wouldn't mind putting the belt on Kaylee Ray and then letting Kaylee Ray and Dakota Kai have a proper long feud with one another Either over way, that title yeah. and, and trade it back and forth a couple mm-hmm. times. That would be okay with me. And that's saying nothing of, you know, I have no problem with, with toxic attraction. I don't have a huge problem with with much. I'm trying to be a peaceful person, Lindsay. (laughs) That's the change I'm trying to go through. No, same. And I don't have a problem with toxic attraction. You all know I love Mandy. You know I'm a Mandy stan for days. Uh, I just think as soon as you put a belt on someone, eyes are on who's taking it off them, right? Like, that's the whole thing. They put that belt on Mandy pretty quickly in 2.0 world. I think she should hold it for a while because they're a sneaky evil heel stable. And sneaky evil heel stable should hold gold for a while because they cheat to keep it. I am totally fine with that. I think, yeah, either of those two would be great. Dakota would be great if she comes as a face and takes it off Mandy. Kaylee is great if it's heel versus heel and Kaylee's just the sneakier heel. I think there's there's so many great ways to play it. They actually have a lot of solid talent who are all great actors, great performers mm-hmm. in NXT right now. Whatever you want to say about the up-and-coming talent, wrestling talent, technical talent, they have a lot of really solid performers there right now. And I want to see that shine, but not as brightly as the lights of the NXT studio, which remain. Also, I I, I have to say this. I can't let this segment go without mentioning this. I saw a picture of Mandy and Mandy, you know, I don't like to talk about people's physical appearance too much. You got to lay off the tanner, girl. Yeah, no, that's fair. I saw a picture of her and I thought it was Brandy. That is not... Uh. Uh, to comment on her physical appearance, I think you're concerned for her well-being uh, <laughs> and the amount of chemicals in her body right now. Because that's not just brush on, is it? That is like overnight developing. She smells yeah. like wet biscuits. It won't give you an extra layer of protection against COVID. It won't. You might think not. it will, but it won't. It's not a vaccine. It's just <laughs> fake tan. It's like ivermectin for your skin. (laughs) You know, there's someone in Florida who's like, if you do like double fake tan, it just gets really, really close to being shady, to being like, oh. Uh, To to doing that black fishing thing. It gets real close. uh, Maybe she can get some advice from Billy Gunn. We can cut that out. (laughs) Um, Oh, 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 uh, Colton. Yeah, uh, uh, Colton Gunn. uh, Is it Colton? It's one of the gun boys. Uh, His old tweets came out and they are not great. Not great. And then he wrote like a big like iOS press release that was like, this isn't me. This isn't who I am. This isn't how I was raised. And everyone was like, oh, really? And then we're posting all the pictures of Billy Gunn and Blackface. Yeah. Let's. Always leave room for change and growth because we aren't who we all were when yep. we were 17. But like, don't don't invoke the name of your parents who performed on television in blackface. It's yeah. usually best not to. It's usually yeah. best not to. I would just not. Did you like the Johnny Gargano Bron Breaker ladder match? I thought that was really fun. Mm-hmm. I like Bron Breaker. Bron Breaker is a very talented Did a guy. Frankensteiner. Maybe so happy. I know. Could be in the danger zone of suffering from being pushed too hard too fast. Yes. But yeah. the crowd seems... 
those 120 people seem to be really into him. And I know that's how many because it's so brightly lit. Yeah, I have a chance to count them. You can count all them. of them and see every one of their micro expressions. Um, and he's you know a Steiner, so he has counted all of them. You know what uh, You know what occurred to me? He's so good at that. <laughs> While I was watching NXT this week, it occurred to me the reason why it's so well lit, not well lit, over lit, is... Because Vince's eyes are getting bad? Well, it's hammering home like, there's only a few people here. This is developmental, so no, they don't have big crowds. Down. Change it back. I fucking I, hate it. I, I I've agree tried with you. for so long. I, but it, it, it clicked in my head, like... I think that's what they're trying to communicate. It does work, and I hate it. This yeah. is just my opinion, but I'm expressing it through song. <laughs> the other weird thing I get off from Breaker, and I have been trying to work out what it is that sometimes makes me not not like him, but sometimes I'm like, what is here that's missing for me? I very occasionally get intense Mojo Rawley vibes off from Breaker. Oh. And... That doesn't ever make me feel good about anything. Um, and not because I had a problem with Mojo Rawley, but I'm like, well, we did this. It just wasn't a Steiner. Um, so I don't know. There's That for me is like a weird disconnect with, with his presentation maybe and his just wild enthusiasm. So enthusiastic. But I did enjoy the ladder match. I thought it was really fun. I'm excited to have my Johnny Johnny back. For real, for real. Yeah. I also want to shout out, I loved the main event of Raw, which is Kevin Owens versus Big E. If Kevin Owens mm. wins, he gets to be a part of the triple. He, he turns the title match into a triple threat match. Seth Rollins at ringside. And alternately, Kevin Owens is trying to win the match and provoke Seth Rollins into attacking him so that he can draw a disqualification win, which he eventually does. In addition to being a really, really good match between the two guys, the amount of character work that it did for Kevin Owens in terms of how smart he is. Mm, and so just the the overall psychology of the match was fantastic. Seth Rollins was great. I just loved it. Yeah. And I love seeing him in the title picture. Like, he's always, he's one of those guys who can be heated up very quickly. So if you put him on the back burner, yeah, he can get himself cat over. And, um, noted, and zoo enthusiast. Uh, and, and wife guy. And I'm wife guy. Big wife guy. I'm, Big so, wife guy. I'm so curious to see where this goes and what they decide to do with it because obviously the rumors are yep. free-flowing regarding Kev and I totally get that maybe he would want to go and play with his friends in their sandbox because they are his friends. I'm so curious as to what happens next. I really am. This is one of those moments where I'm like, ooh, I, they really do have my attention with him as to what he gets to do this time. Yeah, and yeah. he's like definitely not not stoking the rumors because like totally. even if even if he doesn't even if he resigns or whatever happens they're definitely having fun with it because he said like you know whether i'm here for three years or three months and that's when he had three months left i think he has like a month or two maybe it's left very close now i think it's pre-rumble right wouldn't it be mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm just looking how old he is because i'm curious okay he's 37 so if he signs for another three years i guess he could technically still go to AEW at the end of that at 40. But this mm-hmm. is a really big... If he's 37, that this is a big moment for him to be making big decisions about where he secures his legacy. Yeah. I know that they're really popular right now, but I'm just curious. Do you think that there is a chance that AEW is not around in three years? I don't know. There's so yeah. much money in it now. I feel like there's too much money. I, uh, I, they, it's just, and, and money spent. I don't I mean... I mean, we all yeah. know I have many questions about the AEW business practices, but the DOJ mm-hmm. is super busy, so I'm not going to ask them to take a look. But they've sunk so much money into that business. And I don't know how long their TV deal is. Three years is not that long in TV time. 
Sure. I think they're, I do think they're around. I think they're sticking around now. I think it Great. was such a big shift after the big pay-per-views earlier this year that mm-hmm. now it's like, oh, they're a thing. Like Great. it or yeah. not, whether they're the thing they said not, they were or not, but they're a I'm, thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying I think they're terrible and they're going to leave because of their quality. No, but it's, like it's easy to but fall it's apart as a new business. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, TNA's still around. Yeah. <laughs> Some fucking how. People just keep saying, like, yeah, I'll, I'll give you guys more money. It's amazing. Don't they save money by not paying their talent on time? Isn't that TNA's secret? That does save a few quid. That's every Federation secret. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get to AEW. Danielle, go for it. That fucking Cody match. Oh, my God. I know that everyone thinks it's really fun, and I'm happy that you're all having a good time. I need, I, and I know that this is what their audience wants, but for me, it is just such a put off for them to be like doing all the Triple H references again. It just bores me. For people who haven't seen it, so at one point, because it's like a street match or whatever, Cody goes under the ring and he picks out a sledgehammer and everyone's like, oh, I see what you're doing. And then he's like, no, no, no. And then he puts it back and then he takes out a golden shovel and it's like, yeah, we, we get it. We get the is joke. It Twin Peaks? What? <laughs> It's like we get the joke. And it obvi- and if you live in England, you missed the run up to that because Fight TV blinked out for like five minutes or something fun. like that. Super oh, fun. Such a bummer. Brandy set a table on fire or something. I did see the gif of Brandy lighting the table very much with the energy of a 14 year old girl lighting her first candle in her new coven. It was very yes. cute. She leaned forward with the lighter, like, very, like, I'm going to stay away from this, but, oh, it's done. Okay, now we can call the corners. Uh, and I thought that was very cute. That was very cute. So then he attempted to put him through the table, but he missed completely, and Cody caught all of it. All of it on the flaming table. It's interesting because I know a lot of people are like, why wouldn't you save this for a pay-per-view? Why would you put this on free TV? But I will say... One of the things that people that we really enjoyed during the Attitude Era is that we got those moments on free TV as well as on pay-per-view. And so I don't mind them putting something wild on free TV. I just wish it actually worked and was cool. In the end, what is Cody not prepared to do to make people love him? What is Mm. Cody not prepared to do? This is what happens when your dad's not around. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, let's let's talk. Okay, what is Lindsay not prepared to do? But... (laughs) Exactly. What's Danielle not prepared to do to make people like I just, I I know what my limit is and it's going through a fucking burning table on telly, on free telly. Like, you got to pay if you want to see me go through a fucking burning table. I don't know. I feel, I just want to give him a hug at this point. I've gone all the way through fuck Cody Rhodes to like, you okay, hon? Like, I just want to give him a bit of a cuddle and say, we love you. We see you. We don't, always love what you're doing but like take a minute take a minute yeah he's had a real tough time since he cut that fucking i've ended racism promo uh, like buy some therapy been... and no more gucci shoes like it's it's, <laughs> it's cheaper in the long run i'll just get more tattoos could you imagine the reaction he would get if he took like four years off of television and the public eye and dyed his hair back and had that tattoo removed and just concentrated on being separate from his father and not being the jilted ex who walks around saying how liberated they are from their ex when every single sentence and their whole personality is defined by the fact that they're no longer with their ex. If you could guarantee that that he will do do? that, Hal, I'll buy a fucking t-shirt. Like, I... 
please. Remember when we thought he was just going to be off for a while and then he wasn't? And it was like, <laughs> think, but, but you said you were going to be mean, look, off he's, for a while. I think even six a, months. I think even six months or a year and then he comes back. I, I don't think it would even take four years. I think six he, months or a year. He's a talented guy. And mm-hmm. he knows how to Super promote talented. stuff. It's yes. in his it's in his blood. And you know, AEW has been successful by some metrics it's been very successful. So he's very good, but nobody is bulletproof. No. And I I nope. get the sense with him there is a an overconfidence in every idea that's put forth that it's the right idea. And Well, no one's he's not answering to anyone, is he? Like that's the problem. This is you get this a lot in publishing where suddenly an author gets so big that they can't be edited anymore and the books start to become unwieldy and overdone and not great because they won't listen to anyone anymore and people are afraid mm-hmm. to tell them. And I'm worried that no one is telling him because if the only person he's speaking to is saying, Yeah, baby, I'll light the table on fire, let's go nuts. I don't know if that's objective feedback. There has to be a middle road between having one or two people controlling everything that everyone does and everything that everyone says and all of that stuff and changing things at the last minute and yada, yada, yada. There has to be a middle ground between that and no one getting any notes. Notes are good. Notes help you get better. They hurt. And and you have to know which notes to take and which ones to leave behind. But I think that there's got to be some sort of middle ground. Also, did we talk about that MJF and CM Punk promo? Was no, but let's much? talk about it. Yeah, yeah. So this is one of those ones where I know that sometimes I say I think they reference WWE too often. He thinks he's somebody. He thinks what he does is revolutionary to the wrestling business when in reality, he's just a less famous Miz. It was a good promo off. I thought that they both did really well. I like and I did appreciate when Edge came back on, again, whichever fucking one they're on, Raw, SmackDown, whatever. I appreciate when Edge came back and was like, people can't get your name out of their mouth, Miz. You have people on other shows saying your name just, just to get a cheap reaction. You live rent-free in a lot of heads. If anything, it kind of built Miz up. Mm-hmm. Like, it kind of like, you know, because I know a lot of people were very much like, oh, well, that's a burn because him and CM Punk have heat or whatever. But it's like, no, I think it yeah. kind of built him up. You know what's not keeping Miz awake at night? The thought that Philip doesn't like him. Like, he is sleeping very soundly in his LA mansion with his beautiful wife and his two children and is and very the- close to the Mirabal trophy. Like, he yes. does not care. He does not care. You know, yeah. maybe this is a hot take or maybe it's a cold take, but between the two of them cutting promos on one another, I thought MJF was a full cut above CM Punk. MJF almost always feels like he's coming like straight out of his gut, which is like the the, the PG Punk stuff, I think, works because of that. Because yeah. he feels like he's fresh and new. And and I think Punk is playing with one arm tied behind his back with his current character, you know, yeah. like he can't let loose. He can't say what he wants to say because uh, he's having to be hey i'm sage uncle phil who's here to guide you youngsters mm-hmm. along on the road punk does best when he is railing against authority yeah. that's just mm-hmm. true he does yeah. best when he's railing against um like someone who and, and there's not there's not an authority figure for him to rail against in um 
like the way that it's built right now in AEW, that he doesn't have that. And yeah, I don't, I am ready for the end of Gracious Punk. Yeah, that's a really interesting point that I have not thought about. One of the greatest things in WWE, I mean, I would say in recent history, but in WWE history is you always have literally the authority to rail against. It's always Mm -hmm. the wrestlers against them, right? It's always wrestlers Mm -hmm. against Vince, wrestlers against McMahon. Even when it's not front and center, you know it's there to bring it back up at any second. It's always us against them. Yeah. AEW (laughs) exalts its leadership. They literally zoom in on a show every week saying how great Tony Khan is. Like, it's wild they don't have that. I wonder if that would be a really interesting angle for Punk. Uh, when he does flip, could he flip against Cody? Could he just, could he be the one that takes I, Cody out? Could he be I like, you know that. what, Cody, fuck your business. Fuck this nonsense. It's not what you said it was. I'm going to, I'm going to kick your ass. Like, that That'll would be, be good, fun. But it won't feel like fighting your, like the great thing about that authority figure, which really kind of they, that attitude era, that, that kickoff after the screw job yeah. really sort of created mm-hmm. that template was that he was actually the boss and owner and not a wrestler. So the power that he had, even though he was a muscular guy, wasn't that he could destroy you in the ring. It's that he ran the company. Yeah. So he got to make every single decision. And there's no central authority figure. It's this like council of wrestle of wrestle buddies who all have their own egos and agendas regardless of because they're human beings. It's Why, weird how, to me that they always not? say we don't want Tony to be an on-screen character, but then Tony is a constant presence you know like mm-hmm. he's always there and he is an on-screen presence sometimes and sometimes he's on commentary and you know he is around he is doing stuff but yeah you're right it, it is like it's diffused it's weirdly diffused the leadership because i don't think anyone thinks of kenny and the Bucks as having any sort of real power over that company god bless them if they do good for you we always think of it as tony and cody right like they're the ones mm-hmm. playing dollies I would love to talk about this more at a later date uh, as to how that changes the culture of what AEW is and how that impacts their fans and their fandom, that they are not conditioned to hate. Part of the reason people hate WWE is because they hate Vince, right? But we've been conditioned to hate Vince. His pantomime, we've been told to hate Vince. Mm -hmm. We, We hate him for what he does in real life and we hate him for what he does on screen. That doesn't exist in AEW. We're told to like respect and appreciate and be thankful and grateful. Mm-hmm. Which I just think is so interesting. Well, and, and WWE is this white collar, publicly traded, clearly yes. like they've made it about this as a business. And here are all of our other things that we're doing for kids and outreach. Like it is a corporate monolith. So yeah. when CM Punk was rebelling in, in 2011, yes, he's rebelling against his booking and, and speaking his mind. But there's a corporate structure to go against. The yep. entirety of AEW is we're different and we're scrappy and we're not a company. You know, we're not a corporation at all. We just do wrestling. And that's <laughs> we just it. owned by a billionaire. You can't, <laughs> we're so scrappy. You, the only way you can rebel is by going the opposite way and trying to become the authority figure and say, this place needs structure and corporation. And the person who's the bad guy should be the person who's invoking WWE all the time and saying, this place should be more like WWE. That's how you get success. What kids are going to watch XYZ? Like, that is a heel. That is a heel. Oh, that would get and so much heat. And nobody's in that role. That would get so much heat. Punk would be great at it because he's been in the belly of the beast and yeah. reached the highest heights of it. And for him to come out, you know, if you're giving me the book, you could put together a stable of WWE guys. But you could have Punk would be a an interesting figurehead for it to say, like, 
I, now I've had both flavors, and as much as I hated that, they do it better than you. Yeah. What if Punk wants his ice cream bars so bad? He wants yeah. his ice cream bars again. Yeah. And Tony can't give him his ice cream bars. I knew he bought him them for himself. Uh, and it's important to buy our own ice cream bars, people. That's feminism. But like, <laughs> Even I just think it's... it would be a really fascinating character term for him to be. And also, he, that would be him sticking it to Vince and Triple H, which is like his sure. favorite thing to do. So I'm like, do it. Be the authority. Even then, same problem remains because... You're taking somebody who's on your active roster and trying to make them the authority. You know, they're stepping in. Yeah. They're a proxy for an authority figure that just doesn't exist. You can never be the real that's thing. That's not what the company is. Unless, like, Tony got his dad to come in, but Tony's dad's <laughs> real busy. Cut off his only... pocket money. What if yeah. Tony's dad cut off his credit cards <laughs> and they weren't able to sign Kevin Owens and Tony came out and cut a promo and said, my dad cut my credit card so I can't sign Kevin Owens. That's There's some fucking heat for Mr. <laughs> for Mr. Khan senior like that's how to do it <laughs> let us know your thoughts about the week in wrestling on facebook twitter instagram and discord links to all of those are in our show notes when we come back we're going to talk about drip king slayer seth freaking rollins that's coming up on tights and fights i listen to bullseye because jesse always has really good questions what did john malkovich wear when he was 20 <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. There's always that moment where Jesse asks a question that the person he's interviewing has not thought of before. I don't think anyone's ever said that to me or acknowledged that to me, and that is so real. Bullseye, interviews with creators you love and creators you need to know. From MaximumFun.org and NPR. Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin, and I'm joined today by... Danielle Radford. And... Lindsay Kelk. This week, we're going to give one corner of wrestling some extra attention. This is our main event. Let's get ready to... Oh! Whoa! Whoa! Holy shit! Anal bleeding. WWE Dynamite. I hate ducks! a hard fart victory. What? Live, Hal. Wait, is anal bleeding new? <laughs> no, it's been around for centuries. If it is, you should see your doctor. That's what I know. That's what I know. I uh, should have had all those chips made with Olestra. That's what did it for oh me. Oh my god. Don't get the sugar-free gummy bears off Amazon. Oh, I ate a whole package of sugar-free candies when I was a kid. Oh. And uh you did not want to be in that living room all night. <laughs> Anyway, ever since he debuted with The Shield, it was clear WWE had big plans for Seth Rollins. The almighty WWE universe. What is that, Michael? What is that? That's a popularity contest. And that's not right. That's wrong, Michael. We saw things heading in the wrong direction. We stepped in and righted those wrongs. Michael, we are a shield from injustice. WWE. All these years later, after multiple title wins and big pay-per-view matches, he's got a chance for another WWE title win on the first Raw of the new year. Overall, how do you feel about Seth Rollins' career in WWE? 
I feel like he was on the same rocket ship as Roman, but Roman got way more heat than he did. But I both feel, and and maybe it's because Roman was like supposed to be this like white meat baby face for so long. Mm -hmm. And Seth was like playing between being a heel and being a baby face and like doing more evolving of the character. Because again, you notice as soon as they evolved Roman's character, everyone was like, yeah, I do acknowledge you. I acknowledge the fuck out of you. Uh, Also, he took off those blue contacts and that was just a great decision. Um, Just real good. But yeah, so I always thought that that was really interesting that he got more heat than Rollins. But Rollins is definitely like, he's very obviously a company man. I think it's very easy to be a company man when you've been on top. Sure. Because he's, you know, probably one of the most likely people to get on Twitter and like be real defensive of daddy. And it's like, you know. He does love wrestle daddy. He loves Russell Daddy. But you cannot deny that he is incredibly talented, both on the mic and off. He is a great wrestler, very well-rounded. And whatever job you give him to do, he knows how to do it. Like I said, he knows how to evolve his character so it always stays fresh. Even if he's heel Seth, he'll do something new and something interesting and something different. He's obviously like a first-round Hall of Famer. He is going to be in WWE until he dies. And <laughs> it's hard because there is so much good talent, even if not all of it is being used the way that we wish it was being used. There's so much good talent in wrestling right now, but he is truly one of the best. Like it's not an exaggeration. Uh, just as far as being an all around performer, like he is up there. And I think that he's going to go down in history as being one of t- easy top 20 heels of all time. Maybe top 10. I see. I think you hit on it with the shield when they broke up. And that was when I really got back into it It was the raw after after that WrestleMania, Mm, mm -hmm. having watched that WrestleMania. And I didn't really know uh, the shield particularly well. No, it was it was after it was actually after payback because they had that match where they eliminated. They they clean swept evolution. Mm -hmm. And then they were teasing the Dean. Yeah, they were. They were teasing that Dean was going to be the one to turn. And then we got that amazing um, heel turn from Seth. Just Ambrose. Are you kidding me? Rollins down. He's assaulting Ambrose. Rollins assaulting Ambrose after he took out Reigns. What is going on here? You guys are on top of the world. Why in the world would Seth Rollins do this? such a great moment gave him a clear character i think part of what killed reigns also is is he didn't that character didn't really take the turn personally the way dean ambrose did Mm -hmm. so you had that great obviously once you turn seth rollins heel he's the one who's going to take off but him winning the money in the bank briefcase and then ambrose chasing after him and destroying it and just ruining every chance he had like that that rivalry helped both guys. Mm-hmm. I think it I think it also probably held Dean Ambrose in place a little more than Seth Rollins because the more and more you hate a guy, like you can hate him against anybody. But what if you define your your baby face by your heel, yeah. then what do you do afterwards? And he was fine. They were all fine. They've all won championships. They've all had very good careers. Best hopes for John Moxley. Yeah. Love to you, John. get better. Good for him to go into treatment. But, you know, Seth Rollins is is one of the I like him better as a heel than a face. Him as a face doesn't oh, God, work yeah. for me as well because he's mm. there's something punchable about him as a character. He's so smarmy. Yeah. So even as a face like he's not a bad baby face at all, but as a heel, it's just he's he's a more natural heel. Some as a people character. just have a very punchable face. He has mm-hmm. a very punchable face. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. It is what it is. 
Um, there's, you know, Colin Jost wrote a book, book about it. Um, like, he goes a punchable <laughs> face when he sees one. I have very little to add. I, I like Seth. I have massive, massive amounts of respect for Seth. I can't think of a time I've been disappointed in a Seth match. Apart from when someone ended up injured, um, which you know happens, it happens, people. It mm-hmm. sucks. Um, he, it's happened to him more than others, unfortunately, but it happens. You can't see me was amazing. <laughs> I mean, and John's doing great. You know, John's doing great. Mm. So that nose probably helped him out. I don't know. Um, he's had more surgeries since that were entirely elective. So let's not worry about a, a nose job he had to have for work. Um, Peacemaker's coming out soon. He is yay! just <laughs> like on yeah. HBO Max. Tune in now. Um, no, I, the thing with Seth is like, I really, really love him and I'm never disappointed to see him. But I have to say, like, I don't feel like I have an emotional connection to him. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. And I don't know if it's, it's, I don't think it's anyone's fault. I feel like sometimes I can see him performing and I feel like sometimes I can, it's the over earnestness of it and how bad he wants it that kind of just misses that one final switch for me to fully, fully, fully commit. And I did, like, when the the first heel turn happened, when he turned on the shield, I was like, what? And I loved it and it was amazing. I think we've seen him, turn heel face too many times but it's because he can do it and because that man's carried that company on his shoulders more often than not uh, and he does it every time with a smile on his face so I understand why they've done it I understand that it had to be done and I know he has excelled at it every time and always done the best with what he's been given but there is just one little thing that's an emotional miss for me and I don't know what it is and I hate to say it because I have a tremendous amount of respect for the man I think it's okay. There are people who may be very good that you just don't connect totally, with. Totally, totally. I just it makes me feel bad because I love him. Yeah. I do genuinely rate him, but there is just one emotional connection missing that's that's that stops me like saying he's my fave fave. Oh, Lindsay, he's your Bret Hart. He's your Bret Hart. He's my Bret Hart. He's, he's you know, not. Um, <laughs> do you find this to be to to be true? Because this is something that's occurring to me now that maybe why I don't connect as well. Because I'm sort of in the same boat as you, Lindsay. Is that every time he comes back, he's different. So we've had all this different version. We've had Ar- Architect of the Shield, the Authority's Champion, the King slash Beast Slayer, Messiah, now Drip Rollins, and it feels like each version gets to a point. It may start out great, but it also feels like that that shelf life or that lifespan of a character is somehow shorter Yeah. for for me as a fan. Do you find that to be the case with you? I feel, I feel like I just want him to be Seth freaking Rollins, mm. and I don't need all of the wrapping paper and the, the dress up, you know? I, and I'm not right. saying I, I know people have loved the new the comeback with the outfits and all that shit like it's great good for him (laughs) that one wasn't for me but that's just me not everything is for me but i think he is best when he is just being really like tweener where he's just seth freaking rollins where he can be heel or face he's Mm. just out for himself he's an incredibly intelligent technically talented guy I think that's all he needs to be. And that, that intelligence can sometimes, you know, that can lead you to being sneaky. Because, you know, it's. I feel like Seth Rollins kind of should be win if you can, lose if you must, but always cheat. You know, like, I mm. feel like he's that guy who is like, I'm whatever it takes guy. 
I wonder, because if you look at every iteration, except for when he was just straight up Seth friggin' Rollins or when he was the tool, the authority, Seth is, as a heel, naturally annoying. Like, and I wonder if that's what the disconnect is because it's like, he's not like a commanding heel. He's annoying as shit. And every single iteration is, and he's doing it on purpose, is him like wheedling people and doing, like that's the kind of heat that he gets. I think it can be really hard to connect with someone who is purposefully trying to get on your fucking nerves. Yeah, that seems like a straight shot of logic. Um, It's hard to give a shit when his job is to annoy me. Also, I do wonder if any of his, maybe he needs a face run where I really fucking care, you know? Because that sometimes helps, right? With a good heel for them to get genuine emotion, you have to really fucking care about their face turn. Mm. Well, yeah, last time he turned face was because he was injured and out. So he got the normal, like, we're happy to have you back because he's an asset and he's enjoyable to watch and he's... You know, obviously, physically super gifted. Mm-hmm. I yeah. remember that that triple threat match at the Royal Rumble in 2015, where he pulled out the Phoenix Splash for the first time mm-hmm. on WWE programming, and it it's mind blowing. Like yeah. you shouldn't be able to do the stuff that he does. I genuinely feel like there's nothing he can't do, and that mm-hmm. he doesn't excel at. But it's that kind of thing where you know you hear this talked about sometimes, where, where he's so good and he can do anything. Mm-hmm that you miss that fight in him. Maybe you miss mm-hmm. that struggle in him that stops you connecting. Mm. But then that's why he's such a good bad guy. It's, it's, it's hard. I feel like I'm dwelling on the negatives, but all I really want to do is celebrate him and say, he's the best and I love him and I'm glad he's back and I want to see him do amazing things forever and ever and ever. I did buy a Kingslayer t-shirt, so I there must be into something. Uh, I did buy the Kingslayer t-shirt because it was very cool. Well, much like the three of us, the rest of the nation of conversation was all over the place on Seth Rollins. Jeremy on Facebook said, quote, I feel like Seth is missing an authentication. Don't get me wrong. He plays his role well and is one of the best ring performers in the world. But there's something missing that keeps me from putting him on the same level as some of the greats. It's too obvious that he's playing a role instead of embodying the role. And that's something we kind of touched on. Jeremy, one mind. One yeah. mind. I swear that's not my burner account. That's Jeremy's own opinions <laughs> from his own mouth. Jacob, on the other hand, said, To me, Seth Rollins' run at being the top babyface was way over-scrutinized, and I think he received quite a bit of unfair criticism as the Universal Champion. I knew I had what it took to slay the beast! And I remembered that I am Seth freaking Rollins. And that is why I'm standing here, Universal Champion. I liked that run. Yeah. Here's a story from Jordy. The one and only Hooters I've been to back in high school was in Davenport, Iowa. And it's the one they show and Seth talks about in his formerly known as episode. And we both went there for the same reason. Wrestling pay-per-view viewing. No, really. I'm in the, I, I, I hear you, Jordy. Me too. Yo, no, no, no. I've talked about this before. Like, that was the only place when I didn't have cable and I was That's super right. fucking broke. That was the only place that you could go that would play wrestling for you because they had so many TVs. And so that was where me and my boyfriend at the time and his friends, we would go. We would eat the wings back when they weren't as sauced and, like, the, the flavor was actually in the batter and they were way better. Um, and I, I think I've told the story before, but our, um, our favorite service who 
uh, would always be the one that would come over and like she would be our server every time was on America's Next Top Model. That's exciting. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember being so excited for her. <laughs> to wrap it up for Jordy, he's been a favorite of mine since I found out we're from the same part of Iowa. Quad Aww. cities represent. I added that last part. <laughs> if you've got any thoughts on Seth Rollins, add your voice to the conversation on Facebook and hear more of what we have to say on our Twitter page. And hey, go in the Discord if you dare. Links to those are in the show notes. When we come back, we've got some things we loved from wrestling that we're going to share with you. That's up next on Tights and Fights. One, two, one, two, three, five. Hi, everybody. My name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. We're both doctors and... Nope, just me. Okay, well, Sydney's a doctor and I'm a medical enthusiast and we create Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. Every week I dig through the annals of medical history to bring you the wildest, grossest, sometimes dumbest tales of ways we've tried to treat people throughout history. And lately we do a lot of modern fake medicine. Because everything's a disaster, but it's slightly less of a disaster every Friday, right here on MaximumFun.org, as we bring you Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. And remember, don't drill a hole in your head. Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin, and I'm joined by... Daniel Radford. And... Lindsay Kelk. This week we both we did sexy showcase. voice. <laughs> I'm sorry. Even on this is just who we are. That's just who if we you are. can see us, but this is just who we are. Yeah. This week we want to showcase some of the things in wrestling that brought us joy. <laughs> in the segment we call the three count. How do we not still have that music queued up, Julia? <laughs> <laughs> Danielle, what would you like to put over? As everyone here knows, I have been, as much as I can be, because mostly I'm a writer and so I don't want to be like, oh, I'm that bipolar girl. But I have been a huge advocate of mental health. I think it's been especially difficult for a lot of us during quarantine um, when that was still going and and now during the pandemic, because the pandemic's still happening. And now we have like a new strain that's named after a transformer. I don't fucking know. Ryan Nemeth put together a video of a bunch of AEW stars talking about their struggles with mental health and the ways that they have gotten through it. But I thought that that was really cool. Ryan has long been an advocate for women who have, this is, sorry, content warning, um, trigger warning, um, but women in the business who have dealt with sexual assault. He has long been an advocate for changes in the business. He put out like a short film that was about like dealing with that. And so, yeah, like him, you know, there, there obviously there's one thing about his character, but there's also him as like a person. And so I thought that this video was really, really cool, especially after so many AEW stars have come out and spoken about their stuff with mental health. So him putting together a video with a bunch of people talking about it is pretty fucking dope. Uh, So here's a clip. As wrestlers, performers, and athletes, we take our physical fitness very seriously. We eat right, we train hard in the gym, we keep our bodies in check in order to perform at the top of our game and keep each other as safe as possible in the ring. Something that's just as important but often overlooked is our mental fitness. In fact, in a business that's as wild and as unpredictable as pro wrestling, mental health may be way more important. 
They had people such as like Hobbs, Vicky Guerrero, Dax, Amanda Huber. Yeah, like just a bunch of, and it, you know, uh, The Blade. It was really great. And it was like, a, it was a super surprise for me to see because I do think that talking about mental health and acknowledging mental health is like really important coming from any business that's about being like, oh, I'm a tough guy. I'm the toughest guy in the world. Oh, look at how tough I am. But coming from a community, like I was raised on base and uh, in military bases, as everyone knows, coming from the black community, which I can say it, but you can't, there have been some communities I've been a part of where there has been a huge stigma about mental health. And so I don't know if this meant a lot to me. Go team, go. Awesome. Lindsay. I would like to put over big swole uh that's really that's mm. it that's the whole mm. thing uh i want to put her over she announced on twitter on social media earlier this week that she has made a mutual decision with the AEW management that she's not gonna extend her contract or renew her contract her contract is up and she has decided to leave she says she has taken on the mantra grow learn and change and mm. that the real test here now is application of that so she decided to leave AEW and strike out on her own and i just want to say massive 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 good luck to her because i think she's super super fucking talented she shone a light on a challenging situation in her workplace she's not afraid to say what she wants and what she deserves and she does deserve a lot more than she's had in the past i believe she hasn't had exposure commensurate commensurate to the level of her talent she is an extremely talented individual. She also manages a chronic health condition. I know she has Crohn's and she's talked about that a lot. And I have had someone in my life who suffered with Crohn's and it's really scary and really hard, you guys. So the fact that she is managing that and wrestling and asking for inclusion and representation, what a hero. The woman's a hero. Uh, mm-hmm. And I hope she lands somewhere that brings her fulfillment and satisfaction and happiness and gets everything she deserves because she is owed a whole bunch i'm super excited to see her career grow from this point on she was definitely one of the loudest voices in hashtag black wrestling matters you're i agree with you Lindsay. i can't wait to see what she does next she deserves the world you know when you're a big company and There are plenty of examples of this. There are always the ones that got away. You had a young Kenny Omega, didn't work out. You had a young Colt Cabana, didn't work out. But also, Tough Enough gave them exposure to new people. They got John Morrison from Tough Enough. They got Maven from Tough Enough. I know, I know. (laughs) And of course, most famously, they got The Miz from Tough Enough. But who was the biggest one that got away from Tough Enough? Hard to pick, but I think this submission tape should have been given a harder look. Let's hear a clip. Trip, the question isn't if I'm tough enough. No, the question is, are you smart enough to know when the future of your company is looking at you dead in the face? Because my name is Maxwell Jacob Feinstein, and I'm better than you. And you know it. I mean, come on. How do you receive that as a submission and not put that guy on your television show, front and center. Huge well, miss. He did, he did Huge play security. Miss. He did play security in an episode. <laughs> no. That, I, sorry. That's, I mean, that that is a star. Oh you God. can tell that's a star. He already has his catchphrase. Anyway, I'm glad to see uh, that he is getting his flowers elsewhere. But it just amazes me. I did not know that he had even auditioned or submitted for Tough Enough. 
before uh, one of my best friends in the world, Jordan, who is also a listener and member of the Nation of Conversation, sent mm. me that this morning. So thank you, Jordan. This is uh, for you that I share this with the world for anybody who didn't know. That does it for this episode of Tights and Fights. This week, your hosts were Daniel Radford and Lindsay Kelk, along with me, Hal Lublin. You can find all over social media at Hal Lublin. Danielle? Um, oh, we're plugging stuff. Uh, so my uh, Dimension 20 show, uh, Misfits and Magic, we did a holiday special. And that holiday special will be out on December 15th. It was really fun and I had a great time. And also, fun fact, as fun of a time as I had, I was doing probably the worst bout of food poisoning I've ever had. Mm-hmm. I'm like 90% sure I had that... What's that disease that we all bleach stuff so that we don't get? Not COVID. The Ebola? food one. E. coli? The food one. No. E. The e. other coli? one. Yeah. Not E. coli. E. coli. No, what? the other one. There's another food one. Whatever. They were called onions, and I think I had a bad onion. So, <laughs> um, I think listeria. I had a... Is it listeria? It might listeria. be. But they were called Ebola. And I <laughs> and I think I had a bad onion, so I spent like literally every break uh, puking in the bathroom while I was doing it. But it, it, that's amazing because it's like I still had the best, most wonderful time. Oh god, they were like constantly bringing me. They brought me Tums. They brought me Pepto Bismol. I was plop plop fizz fizzing like all day. It was the worst in terms of like my tummy, but the best in terms of like getting to do the thing I love. So it is on Dropout, December 16, College Humor. If you like tabletop RPGs, go check it out. Lindsay. I have a book, um, and you could buy it, and that would be amazing, please, if you wouldn't mind. I would be super charmed. On a Night Like This is out in the UK, Australia, and New Zealand now. It's out in hardback in the UK, paperback in Australia and New Zealand, ebook, all those places, audiobook, all those places, and it's out in... America and Canada on January 14th. So you could pre-order it now and have an exciting gift to self in the middle of shitty January. That would be nice. That would be nice. Um, But it's out now. You should definitely check it out, please, because I have to pay rent and I would be so pleased and I would be so happy. And it's getting really good reviews. So there's a bonus. It's not even shitty. You're not even buying it as a favor to me. You're buying it because it's good, uh, which is the best reason to do anything. So thanks, guys. Yeah, turns out it's really good. Also, I know that I do this every couple of months starting in September, but this is your last reminder. If you are a freelancer, you've really really got to start watching your money for that January rent. Like you really, really got to start watching that money if you do freelance or if you do contract work, because it's about to get real, real light. Um, but after so, you bought my book, though, but like after that, oh, no, no, you no, should no, no. definitely you're gonna, you're gonna, <laughs> check your uh. No, that's what I'm saying, because you're going to be at home a lot and not going out with your friends. So you need the comfort of a great romance novel. I'm mad at you, Danielle, because you bought Julian enough time to change his thing, and I had something in the chamber ready to go, but I'm going to read what he wrote out of respect. And uh, also, uh, Danielle, 100% right. Our producer, Julian Burrell, has the Christmas tree up. Senior producer at Maximum Fun is Laura Swisher. Mike Eagle's the voice behind our theme music, so we're putting him over for that. Keep up with us all week long on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Discord. Links to all those are in our show notes. And if you love what we do, remember to hit those five stars on Apple Podcasts and share us with all your friends. Thank you so much to the Max Fun members who make this show possible. And we'll be back next week for more, you guessed it, wrestling. Hey!
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.